0: You're tuned into 9to5 Work Rebels with your host, Ebony Gale. Hello everybody and welcome to the Gems in Coms special series brought to you by 9to5 Work Rebels podcast in association with Handsome Search, the award-winning international exec search recruitment firm. So I am Ebony Gale, your host for today, and I am super excited to be speaking with a colleague of mine, a very lovely colleague of mine, Kate Asishi, who is a global internal communications expert and author. Now, Kate and I go back, like way back, my first kind of step into the comms arena. I worked alongside Kate. Um, and so that's when we had our first kind of meeting. And you kind of took me under your wing, Kate. You know, you're like my little big sister in the in the workplace. It was <laughs> wonderful to have, mm-hmm. definitely. So thank you and welcome to the podcast.
1: No, thank you, Ebony. Really pleased to be here, and really excited to talk to you. Hey, excellent, excellent. Me too, me too. Who would have thought? You know, moons, many moons ago,
0: and look where we are now, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's very interesting. (laughs) Experts in our fields and doing our thing. So, I wanted to, of course, this whole podcast series. It's a series special that I'm doing, and it's literally about giving flowers to people of color, particularly within the communications industry, PR and communications industry. Now, the industry is very well known for being 91% white at the moment. Uh, I think last time it was 92%, it's now 91%, which means that, you know, the stats isn't looking so hot for us. But um, it is something that the industry is fully aware of. and There are lots of initiatives that are out there. But I feel like, you know, it's very important to give the flowers to those who are already out there doing great work women of colour that are out there doing great work already. So hence why we're doing this series special and, you know, giving you your flowers for what you've already done and contributed to the industry. Yeah. So that's one of the first things I want to get across. And of course, what is obviously, like I said, welcome, welcome you on here. Now, can we get started with the first question, which is really about you telling us
1: about yourself? Now, I know who Kate is, but let the world know. Tell us about yourself and what you do. Yeah, thank you, Ebony. So um, thanks for that wonderful introduction. My name is Kate Um As has already been said, I'm an internal communications and collaboration consultant. So I've spent the last 20 years roughly uh, working with multinational organizations in quite senior roles, um, companies that are sort of 10, 20, 30, 40,000 employees, sometimes up to 200,000 employees. So EMEA or Global Head. Of internal communications, digital comms has been a big part of my history yeah. um, at intranet. So I'm a real digital guru, especially when it comes to employee experience platforms, social collaboration, leadership visibli- visibility, business strategy, education. Any of those things are are, are my bag, um, and yeah, I love it. Uh, it's something I really enjoy. I'm inspired by. And uh, I've recently set myself up as a consultant in the last three years, um, four years now, 2018. Um, My company is called Where to Look. Amazing. Communications. And uh, yeah, I've worked with a, a number of different clients over those four years. And it's been really nice to have that autonomy and space to grow. Amazing. That
0: is amazing. So have you always wanted to work in communications? Like what attracts you to the industry?
1: It's a really good question, actually, because so when I was at school, my favorite topic was a subject was English. So I was really good at English literature, fantastic at English language. And I could just make up stories like that. So you mentioned earlier that I'm an author. So I've um, published uh, a collection of short stories, which is my first collection in 2021 called uh, Shop Window. And uh, I really enjoyed that process. So, I'm really creative. I write poetry all the time. If you look at my posts on LinkedIn, you know you'll see my poems I post poems on there some days because the inspiration just comes to me yeah. literally it could be anywhere I could be eating I could be sleeping or literally sleeping or falling <laughs> asleep. Up, <laughs> or, yeah waking up yeah with this idea in my head or having a wash or yeah whatever it is and these ideas come to me so I write them down and I post them I like to share you know my creativity so that's how I got inspired to work in communications because I knew I could write number one um and then, you know, I started working in digital communications on intranets and websites um, and really enjoyed that. And then from that digital platform, migrated to management of people in similar roles, um, internal communications, corporate communications, PR. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then got some promotions into into big companies and, and, and went from there. Amazing. Amazing. And that makes sense because you've got that whole storytelling thing.
0: And, exactly. You know, I think that makes sense as communicators. We do like to be creative and tell stories. So you know, and it is all about you know communication effectively. And I always find internal communications really interesting because obviously you're dealing with the staff. It's internal, and you know, I'm sure they pull you in a lot for things like change management and things like that, right? Because you know, right. trying to change the whole ethos of, of organization or culture yeah. of an organization
1: is no, yeah. you know, no small feat. Sure. Yeah, behavior change, yeah, culture absolutely. change, uh, transition of process from one system to another, yeah. technology change, all of those things I've worked on and I've yeah. developed communication plans and strategies for that.
0: Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so I want to get a little bit into your lived experiences. So I think this is quite an important area. And one of the questions that I'm asking everybody. Uh, is when did you become aware of your ethnicity? Now, I think this is a very interesting question and it will be different for everybody. For myself, it was attending school, secondary school in particular, and hearing about a group of, uh, well, thugs that would go around and um, would target black people and would, uh, they were called the Chelsea Smilers and they were, we were told they'd take a blade and would kind of put a smile on their face, essentially, and would target black people. Um, or anyone who was of colour, essentially. So I remember that. I remember being petrified going to school, thinking, "Oh my gosh, these people just want to attack us because because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a black girl." You know, so that was one of the real kind of stark ones that sticks in my mind. So, what was your
1: one? Yeah, they, they sound like a charming bunch. Um, <laughs> my mine was much earlier on than that, a primary school. So literally in year one, I was about four. Um, and I had this friend who I remember her to this day, even though it was years and years ago. And we, we were really tight. You know, we were close from the beginning, from day one. We sat yeah. next to each other in the assembly, in class. You know, we used to talk to each other in the playground. We were really close. And, um, you know, I said to her, you know, let's, let's try and get to each other's house. You know, let's try and go and have a play date or, you know, whatever you say when you're four or five. Yeah. I remember having that conversation with her. And then she said she would speak to her mum. And then the next day, um, you know, I went up to her and she kept walking away from me. And I remember it really clearly because we were going up the stairs to class and I couldn't catch up with her because she kept running ahead. And I thought she didn't know I was there, Um, you know, because by then we were really close friends. I was calling her, calling her, I can't remember her name. Um, And she eventually turned around because I was being so uh, persistent and she said, um, my mummy told me, I can't play with you anymore.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. And then you asked her why?
1: Or no. you just didn't, you just really knew by then? He, I just backed off, yeah, because I'm from her mannerism and her tone. Yeah, her tone. I knew she she wouldn't, she didn't want to play with me anymore or be my friend. Aww.
0: So as young as
1: I was, I just stepped back. And, that
0: is yeah. so sad, isn't it? That is so At sad. At four years old yeah. to have that sort of, and that's very impactful in terms of, childhood experiences really do shape our adult experiences as well and the amount of children that are going through that even to this day it's you know it's really heartbreaking how do you manage that You go home and tell your parent like how do you manage that
1: yeah
0: I don't remember remember? remember obviously I remember
1: the conversation with her yeah Yeah, I think I must have gone and told my mom and my mom probably tried to make me feel better and gave me something nice to, to eat sweet or chocolate
0: yeah. But yeah,
1: I don't I don't remember. I just remember it. It obviously impacted me because I remember it, you know, over 40 years later. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, but it would yeah. impact you as a little child being told, you know, your mum's telling you you can't play with
1: that person. That's a lot. That is a lot. But you yeah. know what? At the time, I don't know if I necessarily understood you it because it. I was black. Yeah. You just only later something. on I managed yeah. to yeah, add yeah. layers of meaning to it. But yeah. I knew it was bad. I knew yeah. it wasn't quite it wasn't a
0: good pure. thing. yeah Yeah. absolutely absolutely imagine that that poor child as well what they had to deal with too to think that your parent has told you a friend that you like at school just stay away from them you know it's just the psychology at four right you know that's why they talk about how children are not racist it's literally down to your learned behavior your experiences isn't it because you were playing you were close and tight until the mother found out that this child had a black friend at school and it was yeah stay away you know Yes, exactly. Very she's sad. Pure
1: to begin with, yeah.
0: Yeah, she's pure. That's now sad. she's been contaminated because she's playing she with that
1: Unbelievable!
0: Unbelievable! Knows where nonsense. she is now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's hope she's not still on that, you know, trajectory. But who on knows? that track, exactly. who knows? Um, so, as we lead on from that, you know, uh, have you ever kind of felt? Have you felt like your race or your ethnicity has ever held you back within your career?
1: Oh yeah, definitely, okay. definitely. I mean. I see it all the time. You know, I've, I'm really quite qualified, probably I'd say overqualified yes. for a lot of the roles that I've done and I've had to fight for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, it's only because I'm, I sort of tower above a lot of people who are my peers that I'm able to keep up and maintain pace. Yeah. Um, you know, when people will often say to me, oh, you know, you've got so many qualifications. You've got almost too many qualifications. You know, how do you do it? Um, but I guess that's conditioned, isn't it? Conditioning,
0: yeah. As a black
1: person, I often yeah. feel that black people are conditioned to overqualify themselves, absolutely. I was gonna say that, overwork themselves, yeah. absolutely.
0: I was just gonna say that because I felt that was an, incre- that's an interesting comment to make that you're so overqualified or too overqualified. I don't think I've ever had yeah. a white person say they've been told they were too overqualified. I find yeah. that really fascinating in itself, you know. So it's like, well. You know, we always say because you know, our parents teach us work hard, particularly as black children, we have to work hard, harder, two times, five times, ten times harder than your white counterparts. So we do that yeah. like yourself. You know, you've got all these all these accolades, all these achievements that you've done, and then you get told you to overqualify this like you know it's a, know, it's quite it's a conundrum crazy. isn't it it's ridiculous it is a
1: conundrum yeah you can't you're d- damned if you do you're damned if you don't
0: yeah essentially essentially it's mm. really quite sad so have you would you say you've actually experienced or witnessed racism within the workplace yourself and how Oh we, yeah it yeah I
1: mean that's that's part of the course as I'm sure you've experienced it yourself it's, yeah. it's it's standard practice um and it's not unnecessarily overt so when people really talk about racism, racism and I think yeah since George Floyd people understand Because the conversations have happened much more than they used to. People understand that it's not about calling you a name or, you know, making noises or, you know, saying you smell or something stupid like that. Yeah. It's more, it's more covert than that. Absolutely. You know, microaggressions, as they call them. Yeah. Nothing micro about them um yeah and just making you feel a certain way making you feel small I would recommend a, a show um it's a detective show that's just finished on ITV called D.I. Ray okay. um, and it was about an Asian detective inspector and it talks about they show they're demonstrating the drama microaggressions like the um the receptionist the white receptionist giving her uh, the incorrect lanyard when she joined uh, of another Asian officer. Oh, uh,
0: okay.
1: Obviously, think you know, all Asian people are, it the are very same. similar. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's easy to get mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, that thing. kind of thing.
0: What would you mm. say you experienced in particular? anything stick out to you that you remember? Experienced or witnessed? Yeah,
1: actually not long ago, there was an incident about when was it now? Probably about two years ago. Um, I was working with a client and uh I was in their offices. This was pre-COVID, yeah, it must have been pre-COVID. And um There was a particular uh, guy who was a he was an apprentice and uh, I can't remember what happened but we were exchanging emails and I was asking him a question and he said oh you know can you speak to your your boss about this because I'm not sure I can do what you've asked me to do and he thought my the person who reported into me was my boss wow yeah, and I had to correct him, and I said, "No, I report to the chief marketing officer. That mm-hmm. person who you're calling my boss is reporting to me." That's right. And, and yeah, he apologized profusely it was bowing and scraping. But I thought, there you go. You see, there you go. It's the assumption, there. exactly, right? The assumption that you have to be lower because you cannot That's be it. in, in that position. Exactly. Yeah. I had to tell him before he before him. he corrected so himself He was yeah. a young man, you know. He was. 21 22 so i was really surprised you'd be surprised absolutely you'd be surprised
0: uh, mm-hmm. it's that's that sort of thing it's, it's little things that people don't really realize you know i think it's really an interesting situation um, to discuss so that's one that sticks out to you in particular a couple of years ago that happened and it's a, yeah. and it is an, it's a it's a perfect example of a of what they call microaggression you know yeah and you handed that yourself i can see so you went back and you corrected that person oh, i corrected him yeah which was good which was great great because i know yeah. that's, that's another thing sometimes you know depending on who you are as a person you know your experiences not everyone's comfortable in no. challenging this type of behavior or pushing back on it not everyone's always in the position to do that you know you're senior within the organization so you can absolutely do that if you're junior yeah. you might not feel as comfortable to push back right. on things like that you know exactly so, was that so you did speak up in that cause I'm gonna say was there ever a time you wish you spoke up about something was there anything else that that's happened in your career that you thought I oh, wish I actually spoke up about that All um, the time when you did speak up and self-advocate that you were like you know I'm really proud that I did speak up about that
1: yeah I mean I spoke up about that in Never. that instance like you yeah. say because I was senior so it was easier for me and I didn't yeah. really hesitate to do that yeah. Um, but in, in some instances it's just too difficult and too politically dangerous yeah. to speak up even if you are senior so I have been in positions where people have done things and you've thought and also it's um, you know it's, it's, it's murky it's not black yeah. and white because you yeah. can't they're not going to tell you I did this because I was racist yeah. and if they are confronted they could easily hide behind oh you know Didn't it wasn't know, to, do with that. Purpose,
0: to do with exactly. that exactly yeah. yeah
1: it's not yeah. related to that it's it because of that so yeah yeah that's problematic it is problematic yeah, it is. so there are probably many occasions that I've put to the back of my mind um because you tend to try to you know you know, shirk these things off your shoulder don't you you don't yeah. want to hold hold on to them yeah um, that's so true yeah you try to eliminate them as soon almost as soon as they happen because it, it weighs it on you
0: it does um, it weighs on you and there's something it's almost it's also that kind of situation of you know choosing your right battle sometimes for some people it's, right. it's like there's so much going on in your own life personally whatever you've got going on it's like you've got to choose the battles sometimes you just don't have the energy to deal with that that's why right. I know a lot of people who Tell are me. in organizations and they just will just leave because they think I just can't be bothered with the energy of pushing much back.
1: easier yeah, yeah it's, it's easier to come out there was a lady actually you just reminded me as you were talking that I worked with about three years ago and she was very clearly racist but I was lucky that the HR um, director who I was working with she understood that she was racist and she called it out even before I did
0: oh wow Um, she,
1: she said to me that girl's had a problem with you from day one and I think it's racially motivated there you go
0: that's great. Oh, that is so I, great to have someone. I put it was up saying, you. yeah,
1: I didn't have to do the heavy lifting; they did it for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's a good
1: HR person,
0: you know. She and that's was a good, a, yeah, yeah. We need more of those, you know, within the workplace. Because, but again, not everyone's open or understands some of the nuances and the microaggressions. Because I find it always interesting. I don't know if you've seen the case recently, as we're on sort of microaggressions of the lady that took uh, the Ministry of Justice. Oh yeah, uh, I saw uh, that. Yeah, it horrible. And it's horrible. Ministry of Defence was it, Ministry Horrible. of MOD, it was MOD she worked for, and I thought, wow, it was awful, nah. she went through so nah. much, had to push back so much, and to be told by people who don't understand racism that it's not racism, it's just yeah. slapping in the face of black people, and this is the problem that they right. don't get, like you mentioned, the whole microaggressions, that's not aimed at you, so you won't understand it, um, nah. so I think there's a lot more that needs to be done within that, um, but I was so glad to see that she actually got a, a payout, but after over 20 years, this is unbelievable.
1: Took a long time uh, to get there. Way too long.
0: A lot of people, yeah. are, you know, in depression, they can't with even push a no. point with that amount of pushback, you know. Exactly. Kudos so, to her. Yeah, absolutely. It's really hard. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, what I call code switching. And um, now, for those who don't know, code switching is all about, you know, whether you can be your authentic self within the workplace. So essentially, you know, when you're with your friends or, you know, or you're with a group of people who you feel very comfortable with, you might slip into a bit more lingo or a bit more um, comfortable language. Uh, whereas when you go into the workplace, you know, I think that we tend to change it up for the work environment. So the question is, you know, code switching, do you feel we can ever lead with our authentic voices within the workplace?
1: Not from my perspective, probably not, because I have a, a, a niche background in that I'm Nigerian, you know, yeah. my family are Nigerian. so there's not many I don't think there are many English people um white English people who would understand if yeah. I did switch so even if I was in the environment with other black people unless they were Nigerian yeah I couldn't do it because you they wouldn't understand it.
0: yeah no, that makes
1: any sense no, so I you didn't. know, I wouldn't be able to do that with you know a Jamaican or you know someone from the West Indies or yeah. Tobago in Trinidad I can, I can talk to them in the, you know, yeah. the patois
0: yeah. style
1: because I, I understand that lingo, yeah. but they, I don't think they would necessarily understand and night. Like you'd have to be with a Nigerian to be able to, to do, do that. that. <laughs> so, but would you
0: then switch into, if, if, would you feel comfortable doing that? If you had friends in the office who were of, Caribbean background, yeah, right. Would you yeah, feel if comfortable were. doing that? But maybe within its own little circle, because I find that's what I happened with me. Because my background is Caribbean, Jamaican, and so yeah. being in the workplace, the ones that are, were that I would gravitate to to um, or have a little banter with, not necessarily in my department, mind you, because you know I was the only black girl in my department. But outside the department, um, would be yeah, a little bit of banter we would have, which would kind of keep you going. But essentially, I do believe what you're saying is true. I still feel like we're not able to leave with our authentic voices no. within the workplace. You know, uh, and I, I feel like that's a difference. I feel like our white counterparts do get to show up as mm. they are at work all the time and be themselves. Whereas as for us, there are layers, lots of layers that we are having to deal with. Yeah. Microaggressions, people's prejudices and their stereotypes that are kind of hitting us before we've even met, met them. You know, so I feel mm. like uh, we've always been a bit more Come to work very PC, then
1: you know get home. Yeah, get a bit more very guarded. Yeah, yeah. And I would say something actually, which isn't directly related to your question, but kind of leads into it, and in that when I'm in an organisation, typically in the UK or even if it's an, an international one,
0: yeah, um,
1: most of the black people, if there are any, that they're, they're usually quite junior.
0: Absolutely. So I'll,
1: if I'm senior, which I usually am, then I'll be yeah. the only one. Yeah. And so there'll be no one on my level to talk to. Yeah. The only people I can talk to are PAs, Mm -hmm. PAs,
0: EAs,
1: sometimes people in the kitchen who work in the kitchen, assistants, apprentices. That's where I see black people in very junior positions. Very junior positions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you're segregated already. Absolutely. Your level. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And that's something that I also picked up. And I feel like, you know, that's something that we will understand uh, together, because I've had that kind of trajectory going into companies. I'd be senior, looking around and the black faces were not always at senior levels. Right. Um, a lot of them were dotted around the organization, but then when you looked at the hierarchy in the charts, they were always usually at lower junior. levels. Yeah. Yeah. Junior, mid, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Definitely not necessarily at uh, a, a high level position, um, which is obviously quite off putting in itself. And that's one of the reasons why I actually did go independent. Cause I wanted to, you exactly. know, you know, you get to the point where, I felt like I was always the only black woman in the yeah. the, the, the mix, and whilst yeah. I could still put forward my my, um, my ideas and I had great creativity, that's good. But after a while, it does get you. you do you want to see some of your own, someone who looks right. like you? Sometimes, you know, Exactly. So, you know, but in
1: senior, just dis- not just people like yourself. There, you know, people who are in senior positions mm-hmm. were in yeah, the room yeah. and have a seat at the table absolutely. and are actually an integral part of making decisions the about decision business. making. Absolutely. Yes. Not Absolutely. just being told what to do by
0: everyone else. Exactly. And I find that's one of the major issues, as well as the issues around the whole socioeconomic, you know, they're always from a certain background. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got, even with what I found even more so, because I've always done a lot of, in you know, comms, but in-house comms. Uh, doing some work with women in PR, I came into contact with a lot more agency, um, than, yeah. you know, PRs. And even in the agency world you just, you see how whitewashed it really is to a degree um they are they're trying to make changes but I feel like also it's the way that they're being recruited if you're coming from red brick universities or if you come from certain you know backgrounds and you've got a lot of nepotism going on as well so I feel like there are lots of barriers that need to be dealt with while some are dealing yeah. with them some are not as dealing with them as well as they could be you know right essentially, you know I agree um so Another question that I had for you was around um, becoming aware of the colour bias in PR and comms. Obviously, you just kind of touched on it. So was it something that you noticed as soon as you kind of entered the industry or is it more something that you've become aware of over the years,
1: the colour bias? Yeah, so it's interesting because how I entered the industry was through working on intranet. So I was a digital person to begin with. So not right then, no, because right. intranets are not typically associated with PR. They will either be associated with IT or with um, hr Mm. or with uh you know back in the day there weren't many internal communications functions yeah so uh but pr you know pr and marketing don't really usually own internal comms yeah Um, it was always digital groups and in those cases they were more mixed right enough you have a lot of asians yeah Yeah, a lot of asian people a lot of black people yeah a lot of just the europeans working in it because you're not customer facing yeah um so they tend to have people in the in the back room so to speak um who Mm. might not necessarily have um, good english skills or be born in this country or have the right accent or the right background
0: right um
1: so i didn't notice right away but over the years yeah as you start moving into managerial roles in pr marketing internal communications corporate communications
0: Mm. you do start
1: to see a barrier. Um, to progression and less brown faces, yeah, um, black and brown faces, less representation and less yeah. opportunities. So yeah. yeah, it took it took me a while, but for example, it's getting better. But even in internal comms, you know, the space is very still very white,
0: yeah, um,
1: still very uh, European,
0: yeah,
1: you know, in its makeup. But it's getting better. So there it's are a better. few people who I've interviewed for my podcast um, who are coming up, like Anik Simpson, um, like Jihan Hyde. Um, like Hannah Awanuga, who's the Head of Employee Experience for Barclays. There are some faces coming in, but just not enough.
0: Just not enough, yeah, but at least we're seeing some. But it's interesting you mentioned that about inter- in seeing. the internet. I always felt like um, most companies I worked in, luckily, the internal comms was with communications, Because I always felt whenever I had organisations that it wasn't. It's just like, it it makes no sense. It's it's the internet. So it's internet communications. It should not sit in IT ever. And I used to always think that was, if there's an organisation that had that, I was like, "Mm, this is not a good sign. You're really, it's in the wrong bit. You've got to take it away,
1: you know? Exactly. (laughs) It's like, do you understand what it's about? It's
0: communicating, you know?
1: right exactly yeah but you'd be surprised you know a lot I of know. um intranets do sit with uh HR it and I
0: yeah and, and hr yeah i think that's interesting too i feel like the hr element yes but no it still needs to be comms it needs to be a joint yeah. thing but joint, you know, ownership. Yeah, joint yeah. ownership because they're going to have bits that they need to update but essentially you know it's communicating with the entire organization so that's messaging so yeah. storytelling and engagement and things like that. So it's, it's interesting, it's, isn't it? It's political, It is political. It is, so it is. depends where you are and what they're doing yeah. and what they're trying to get done, I suppose, isn't it? And
1: exactly. so
0: um, another question, I suppose, it's interesting from your perspective because obviously I deal with more external communications. So on the internal communications side, would you say, um, what are your thoughts on allyship? You know, what does it mean for, for you? And is there any examples of allyship within internal comms? I suppose it's going to be hard now because of what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'd say no, not, not really. really. I mean, there are some people who've jumped on the bandwagon because of mm. what happened with George Floyd. Obviously, yeah. no one wants to be left behind, do they? Yeah. You know, when it's in the moments, you know, everyone exactly. wants to be on the so PR Yeah. With Exactly. With, with the, the black, black squares yeah, that exactly. ended up on LinkedIn and it, yeah. et cetera. Um, so, yeah, there was some performative allyship, as they call it um back in 2020 but you know a lot of that has dropped away has fallen away mm-hmm. um internal communications is still very very white and european yeah. um there isn't that much space i'll, I'll tell you a story i had um, a really good conversation with uh, an english lady white english lady who's a, a friend of a colleague of mine she's a, an associate of mine mm-hmm. and she's a consultant also so she was really busy, you know, really overwhelmed and had a client who needed some work, a project uh, doing. And she couldn't have capacity to do it. So she said, look, Kate, you know, um, I'll hand the project to you, you know, have a conversation with them. If you're not as busy as me, you know, you're free to take the work. And I I, I, I wasn't working to capacity. I had the the space, the space. to do the work.
0: Yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah, I spoke to the client. <laughs> you should have seen the call we had, like we're doing now, yeah. the Zoom call. And when, when my camera came on, you should have seen her face drop. Oh, wow. Her face literally fell to the ground. She wow. looked so upset. Yeah. And wow. I could see straight away she wasn't expecting, because obviously she'd been working with a white woman. Yeah. So she's and then she said, oh, I like I call like. I've got a consultant. Yeah, I've passed you on to. And she wasn't expecting that consultant to be of a different ethnic background. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, the conversation happened took place. Uh, but it was very obvious that it wouldn't go any further. It was wow. it was actually really quite disturbing to see it in Definitely. action.
0: Definitely, I'm sure yeah. it must have been. And for you, it must have been a bit of a, oh, right, okay. So you've still got to put on your professional hat, but you already can sense I had to put my professional,
1: yes, but I knew she didn't want to work with work me. Work with you, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, she was just so. going through the motions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, her face was, she was literally incandescent with, with wow. anger yeah
0: wow so did you feed back to your associate that no you know, i didn't, didn't bother.
1: bother
0: interesting interesting so that's the, but again that sort of thing is really off-putting but yes the good thing about being independent is that you can choose who you want to work with you're right right so exactly. we don't have to waste time with people who don't have don't value us essentially you know exactly. and that's the good thing about it whereas when you're really stuck a good in point. a bowl, you that's don't a have a choice point. yeah absolutely and I tell people that all the time, Like that's the one good thing, because I remember speaking to a consultant who was saying, you know, what do you worry about people who maybe want to work with you if they realise that you're black? I said, well, first, thing, your name's Ebony. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then they you should give it away alone, OK? Yeah. So you don't want just, to just, just, just look at the name and be like, OK, right. But, yeah. you know, I don't know about people who, who don't value me or who are racist right. anyway. You know, that's, that's fine. If you're racist, I don't really want to work with you. No, but, you know, indeed. I want to work with those who value me and value that what exactly. I can bring. You know, so you just have to kind of remind yourself. But that sort of situation is a very stark reminder of, yeah. you know, where that wasn't your fault. That was a potential, you know, opportunity that got passed on in your way because right. of your skills. Clearly, your skill set, you know, is correct. But yeah. she was looking for like for like, where she, the like for like in mm. skill set is what you had. But she wanted yeah. like for like in ethnicity.
1: And cultural, yes. And
0: culture. And you
1: know, right.
0: Basically, you know, which just shows that what's that's maybe her issue. So, Indeed. when things like that happen, and in general, what kind of motivates you or inspires you to keep going? We know you're a creative person anyway. So, like, what helps you, you know, to stay on your journey?
1: Just, the, I think the faith that I have, you know, I really, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm religious, but I have a strong faith. I do go to church quite a lot and I pray uh, in my own time at home. And I feel quite close to, um, you know, my my God or, you know, a higher power. You know, I have a relationship uh, with that goes beyond, you know, people and what we see here today and the earth and our earthly goods and our worldly goods. I believe there's more beyond that. So that's what keeps me going, number one. Yes. Um, and number two, my family and the inspiration they give me and the faith they put in me um, every day. You know, my mum and dad, my dad unfortunately passed away last october um oh, i miss him dreadfully thank yeah. you but um, my my mom and my dad instilled in me a very strong work ethic from day yeah. one and always said i could do anything you know they were so proud of me and they just yeah motivated me so that's yeah. what keeps me going i know that i'm here for something i'm yeah. not here to be treated um in a certain way or mistreated or you know um you know had have just a, a life full of microaggressions and racism that's not what I'm here for absolutely. I'm here to you know contribute I have something to contribute a lot to contribute and I will contribute so absolutely. no one's going to stop me
0: yeah. well done to you I think that's brilliant absolutely so on your journey what did you find most challenging so far on your journey there anything in particular you thought mm, maybe going independent or maybe not my independent journey mean. or just in your career journey what have you found the most challenging so far
1: oh probably yeah just being you know introduced into senior leadership roles as a woman and as a black woman you know it's yeah. tough yeah um, people have all sorts of preconceptions of you and it's, it's hard to overcome that yeah. um and, and also working abroad as well so I worked in Switzerland Ooh. for four years which How is was that? Yeah, well, I was traveling back and forth. I wasn't there all the time, but I spent quite a lot of time. I think at one point they they said I had to pay taxes because I'd been there for for so long um, over the year. Yeah, I was there for something like over 100 days. Right, right, right. and so, yeah, I was there all the time. And, and that was wonderful because I got to experience culturally, you know, different ways of working. And I've always loved that, you know, working with Germans and Italians and French and Swiss. And yeah, I love all of that. And that's why I'm always in uh, multinational organizations. But, yeah, Switzerland is a very unique place. You know, they are um you know a unique country and that yeah. you know they're impartial and neutral Yeah, um, but yeah I've had good experiences and bad people have been really nice to me like gone out of their way to look after me right um when I've been abroad so I've right. been to Czech Republic many times I worked in Czech Republic in my early career um and people when I worked with you actually I used to go to a Czech, uh, Czech Republic remember we had a development center there you might not remember that I remember that um, one yeah I went Did to Czech have Republic it? oh wow yeah, and they were in Prague and they were so nice to me in Prague. Um, like really lovely. They used to do little you know, people in the street would talk to me and look after me and say, Oh, you know, be careful. You know, some people are, are not nice to, to black people, but they would look after me. Yeah, so nice,
0: they looked out for you. I
1: think, yeah, what I've learned is that you shouldn't just blanket, you know, everybody with the same brush. You know, you can't assume that all white people are bad, all Europeans are bad, or Absolutely. you know, it just doesn't doesn't agree. work like that no, just no, the same as same we're not black people. perfect
0: we're not yeah. all the same are we no we're not all living, the same yeah so. so
1: do do be open do be receptive to new experiences and absolutely. new people because you never know you might be surprised
0: absolutely i agree with you i agree with you on that you know i worked, well i, I always like the idea of working internationally most of my clients have been uk-based like a couple right like, uh, european um one of my favorite ones are german Yes. Have great clients to work with as well so exactly yeah no I get it I get it I get it completely on that but I think that's interesting so you know I suppose a question I wanted to ask you is you're not necessarily in the situation of a the employer per se client more client perspective but with your internal comms hat on and when you was in an in-house role yeah what would you be looking for from your employer you know what makes a good working
1: environment for me it's got to be culturally diverse Um, even if it's a UK specific firm like most of your clients there has to be some representation that just goes outside of the the typical UK you know um, resident so I want to see different different faces different backgrounds not just culturally but also socially yeah you know I want to see a good mix of people who are coming from um, universities, but also from apprenticeships. Yeah. Um, you know, people who are perhaps neurodiverse. You know, yeah. I want to see some willingness to accept people who are dyslexic, yeah. um, who, are, who have autism, that kind of thing. Um, but also a willingness to change and, be, and learn. Um, there's a lot of companies that are stuck in their ways and won't do anything different. I believe um, that. for me, I that's the gap that. now. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe
0: You've got to have
1: a willingness to do different things
0: yeah and I, but I think that's that is the key and I feel like uh a lot of that comes down from leadership and depending on who you've got at the helm you know because I feel like sometimes you have right. someone at the helm who is very much like go get in yes I want to get this done and then yes. if, that, if that changes and you've got somebody who's not that way it can change the whole feel and culture of the I organization know. right yeah, absolutely I've worked in organizations where you know I, I remember working for one of my clients um one of the places I worked with was Ofsted I remember being with uh, the HMRC there uh, was a guy and he was really friendly, a very open door because obviously I was in the the, the media team. So I was doing a lot of press stuff. So we needed lots of contacts. Then we had somebody else come in. It was a a lady and she was very closed off. It changed everything Mm. in terms of how we dealt with the media, how we dealt with stakeholders. Right, It just changed the entire culture. It went from being open to like this very kind of closed offness, right. and trying to pull her out. It was just interesting to just see the dynamic change totally.
1: Yeah, yes, I, I can was, imagine.
0: Like, so important to have the right people in the right position. Right, you know.
1: exactly. Yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. It is everything emanates from leadership, for sure. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And I've, there's another question that I've got on here is about diversity, because you mentioned that. And I think you just touched on it. I am going to say, what does diversity look like for you? Because I feel like it's a word that gets banged about a lot. Uh, yeah
1: what does it look it like it does I you? mean people always think diversity you know relates to ethnicity um but it's not is it it's, it's lots of other things like I said you know neurodiversity it's to do with you know disabilities it's to do with you know men and, and women in a good mix you know LGBTQ all of those things it's just about acceptance really from my expe- um, from my perspective yeah. accepting people for who they are not yeah. what they are, not looking yeah. at the wheelchair or not looking at the color of the skin, not looking at the learning disability and understanding what people can bring to the party because everyone mm-hmm. brings something, don't they? To the exactly, party. absolutely. Yeah, no matter absolutely. how small.
0: Yeah, mm. I agree. I agree with that. And I feel like the bigger thing that people need to focus on at the moment is the equity part. You yeah. Know, pe- 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 treating people fairly. You know, yeah. everyone says they're equal opportunities employer, but then you look at their staff and you're thinking, really? you know so yeah you know like you know we can all say things but it's about the action like you say it's about you know accepting people but also um being open to that and being open to change it's so important exactly so let's touch on some of your proudest moments so tell us about some of your you know proudest moments can be work or personal you know as well as any career highlights that you want to share with us
1: yeah, I've had some really good highlights over the last just probably three years. So last week actually I ran a half marathon at Binsbury Park. Oh,
0: amazing. Yeah, well I got done. I got my
1: medal. I should have brought it here. So you I should have, should have brought it. it, it. Absolutely, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a brilliant time, but I'm just so you know proud of myself in yeah, the true race. That. Um I run really quite long distances now and that's with you know a lot of work's gone into that. So I'm really proud of my physical fitness. Um, I also launched my podcast, Engagement Express, in 2020, in June. Excellent. So we're now nearly two years in and 40, 46 episodes.
0: Amazing.
1: Um, yeah, which has been a, a lot of work. Uh, and also my short stories that I mentioned earlier called Shop Window. I'll, I'll grab one now. See, yes, please. There we go.
0: Oh, how cool. Available
1: on Amazon. <laughs> nice what are they about
0: just a bit of an intro into that then what is the shop window about
1: oh well it's In a hit. collection of short stories okay. so really eclectic you know there's okay. no theme there's no consistency it's just literally standalone stories uh five of them um on really different topics so okay. everything from a woman who you think is going to be arrested to two men who meet for lunch and ends up having a really supernatural experience
0: oh this sounds interesting so it's it adulty it type contact would you say yeah
1: yeah i would say i mean it's not you know i wouldn't say a child couldn't read it but they wouldn't necessarily be able to access some of the, the language so yeah. yeah from a teen teen upwards, teen I upwards. Would oh, brilliant.
0: oh good 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 stuff i think that's great and some great achievements there
1: absolutely thank you yeah some great highlights so there
0: so what are your thoughts about the industry as a whole in terms of PR and comms? What do you think uh, will change? How do you see it evolving over the next kind of few years? We know well, PR is huge. But, um, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm hopeful. So we've got people like Ron K. Lawal. I've come across Ron K. Yes, I've got my um, interview person. Yeah, oh, are you? Wonderful. And, and hopefully you're interviewing, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Elizabeth. I've okay. dropped her an
0: email, waiting for her to get back to me. So I hope okay, she's Elizabeth is yeah.
1: another one. Yeah. yeah, so they're really doing a lot of work in that space. Yeah, um, they've even set up networks, which are doing brilliantly. Um, I know PR. I've got the PR week downstairs that showcased that They had a whole episode, a whole issue rather, dedicated to Black PR pros. Yeah. Um, and that was fantastic. I was like, yeah, literally, you know, flicking through the pages, thinking, I didn't know, you know, all these Black. PR yeah, pros were they out there. So. Yeah, they're
0: here. We are here.
1: <laughs> You're here, exactly. So no, exactly. just give we them exposure. Exactly. I'm really pleased, you know. And there's so many that are actually creating their own. Absolutely. Uh, I'm also got i Kamika coming on
0: next. Uh, I think it's next month. I'm, I'm interviewing Kamika Pierce. So she ah. is the one who set up the Black Communications Network. Yes. Of uh, yeah. professionals as well. So there's there are things that are definitely happening. I know you mentioned Elizabeth, and she runs the Be Me. Uh, PR pros, yeah, um and we know she's doing
1: things with the blueprint as well, which is great. She is,
0: yeah, yeah, really she good. is, yeah. So that's great. yeah. So I, I mean, th- I'm
1: really hopeful because I see those people, yeah. you know, working really hard in the background, and you know, I know I can always do more um to help, but I think we need to give back. Us, us, you know, elders, I suppose we are now, um should now start helping and mentoring and supporting black. Yeah, people I think mentoring.
0: Up. Yeah, absolutely, people of color, or you know whatever makes sense but I think yeah absolutely right. absolutely uh and I, I think um well, that's what i wanted to ask you is also what are the key lessons you've learned throughout your career that you know what kind of advice would you give to young people who are considering entering
1: the industry uh, what I would say is always 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 be professional mm. it's not easy um I've been there so many times you know even in the work I do now I always remind myself be professional because that will save you yeah um I know it sounds like a strange thing to say what I mean by it is not obviously do your work do all those things but be professional in your persona the way that you present you know respect yourself Mm. um and and then everything else will, will flow from that so think to yourself no matter how people are treating you no matter how you're being spoken to always have your head held high and think I'm worth it like the L'Oreal that says <laughs> um and just be professional and then when you when everything's over you can look back and say right you know I was being treated badly I might not have been spoken to nicely but I kept my head held high I don't mean tolerate bad behavior I don't
0: tolerate nonsense out there no. you know if you're
1: not happy move on move, move on but that's yeah. part of it yeah absolutely. that's part of being professional you yeah. know you know have have the the confidence to say to yourself this isn't for me
0: absolutely absolutely and also don't be scared to challenge as well and yeah and in terms of you know up pushing it up the, the the ladder you know making sure you bring it to your management try to look at any issue you know people who are around you if right. it is your man- if it is your manager that is giving you the issue then obviously you're gonna have to look to go outside but always speak to people outside as well anybody else who's in comms or yeah getting involved with networks, like we just mentioned, BCN or the um, BME Pros, because there's always going to be someone there that you could potentially, you know, sound out or try and take some advice from. Yeah, that's
1: a really good point. So have a professional network around you that you can relate to and speak to if you do have any issues, because it's always nice, isn't it, to have that third party view um, where they're not invested in the business. They don't don't know what's going on. They can give you impartial advice. That's a really good one. Yeah, use your network.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, completely agree with that one. And lastly, we're going to get into sort of the mindset side of things. So, I always like to ask people how they deal with the kind of internal mindset war that we have to live on a daily basis. You know, like how do you manage the self-limiting beliefs? You know, that kind of thing.
1: Oh, just read, read, read. Watch, listen, listen to podcasts. Um, you know, talk to your network. Get a mentor if you can. Um, you know have uh, someone who you can speak to like a coach so I've worked with loads of coaches over the years and they've done me more good than I probably even realized yeah. so constantly work on yourself constantly develop yourself don't be afraid to invest in yourself you know don't that's say okay. oh you know that's going to cost me 600 pounds oh, you know I could go to a on holiday on I can apply this dress yeah. you know all those things are you know material things yeah but obviously you need a break you know you need to look after yourself physically but do invest in yourself, you know, do develop yourself by listening and and learning from others because there's always something new to learn.
0: Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. And looking back over your
1: journey, would you do it all over again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure I would do all of it. Some some, some of it's been quite painful. Uh, But yeah, certainly a lot of it I would do over again. Yeah, I'd probably come at it with those um, lessons learned. Yeah. and do different, things maybe differently but to be honest with you you know Je ne get uh yeah as they say in French you know I don't uh, regret anything I just no, i live my life you've got to live your life that's what I feel I feel like I feel like I try and remember the motto
0: of not having any regrets you yeah. know because we, we always do what we think is right in that time right exactly unless you can feel like you're doing it with a good intention you know then you can't get yeah. yourself up about it
1: no um, exactly true Absolutely.
0: So um, one of the funny questions I like to ask is, what's the worst or best advice you've been given in your career? Because one of the people I had, I think, was telling me uh, they were told that this isn't really going to be a career for them. (laughs) It's like, really? (laughs)
1: Um, I I don't know about the worst advice. The best advice I know I've been given is you've got to play the game. Okay. Which still sticks with me to this day. And I knew what he meant. Um, because I was miserable, and maybe it was the best and worst advice. Because he said to me, "You know, I can see you're not happy. Uh, I don't want to be here either." Oh wow! Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'd been we forced, we'd been dragged to a corporate event, and it was in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. It was beautiful, right? And there were gazebos, and it was a hot day, and we all had to dress up. We were dragged there, literally kicking right. and screaming. And this guy and I were very similar. And he was an English guy, English white guy. And he was much older than me. And he said, I don't want to be here. He said, I'd rather be at home with my girlfriend. But yeah. we've got to play the game. Play the game. Yeah, really yeah. interesting, isn't it? It is a yeah. game. i telling you, it really is a game. It is but a it, game. It yeah. is.
0: <laughs> and the first, as soon as you realise that, like, you'd be like, okay, right. As much as it sounds right. like a cliche thing to say, but there is truth in that. You know? There is
1: truth in it. He's right, yeah.
0: definitely. Yes. definitely. And my last question for you, my lovely Kate, is do you have any rules that you've implemented to help you along your career journey?
1: Rules? Um, Yes. Always be on time as much as possible. Um, Always be professional. That's what I said to you earlier in terms of your look and feel, the way you speak Mm -hmm. and the way you interact with people. Always be respectful. Um, You know, don't disrespect people. Always try to be kind no matter what level you're the person you're speaking so I often strike up conversations with cleaners you know yeah, the dishes yeah. you know I have conversations very much like that yeah yeah exactly you're a human I'm, like, I'm a yeah, human, human. exactly I yeah about you your, know, your weekend I don't yeah. much, you know make a beeline for the for the, the senior director. executive <laughs> yeah, and, yeah exactly. and start talking yeah. to them no yeah. you know I'll talk to them but then I'll also talk to the janitor why not yeah absolutely
0: I think that's so true and it's very very good point The you know being respectful having manners manners do not cost a thing no, no. and I feel like um you know talking to people at all different levels is very respectful I do that anyway I've always been that kind of person I talk to I don't yeah, like people I'm very friendly I'll talk to everybody right and I do it is a bugbear of me when people are rude and will not just have the decency to even just greet you I remember exactly. I remember working in the firm and I I put it in my Caribbean background or something but because I remember working in a firm very senior person comes in just. Came to come to me, be lying to me for whatever I could help him with, um, but didn't even have the courtesy to say hi, everybody, right. blah, blah, blah. It just went straight into it. So I just stopped. Yeah. And I said, firstly, good morning. Right. And um, then he kind of was taken aback. I said, well, yeah. uh, hello first. The first thing yeah. we we'll do is to greet each other. Don't just come yes. around and just tell me what you want. You
1: know, we're exactly. human beings.
0: We have interactions here. And I just thought it was unbelievable.
1: amazing isn't it like you're like you're a machine or something
0: absolutely and because (laughs) maybe because i was a bit junior he's probably thinking he was definitely taken aback but i I can just i can
1: see you doing that that. that.
0: yeah after that he was fine he was always like very good with me but i just thought there's there's no need for rudeness no and you know we all come here we all come here to get along and get our jobs done but that's right exactly yeah
1: well well done to you for being bold enough to say that
0: yeah i mean it does take courage to do that in itself yeah. but i think i was more ticked off to be honest i just thought you know you know i just want to go to nursery i don't do all these nonsense like you know yeah it was true. that kind of mindset you know but yeah, yeah i kept it professional of course as you'd say Kate. of course you know, of yeah course. <laughs> but thank you so much for taking your time to be with no, me and to share welcome. your experiences i've really enjoyed talking with you and thank you so you know much. it's been very beneficial uh, with your sharing and everything. Tell people where they can find you
1: if they want to, you know, connect. Oh yeah, you can k- find me on LinkedIn, but I'm always on LinkedIn every day. So that's at K to or you can h- look me up uh, via Engagement Express on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or my website is wheretolookcoms.co.uk. Brilliant. Well,
0: thank you so much. So guys, thank you for tuning in to this great session that we've had speaking with kate the i will be back with more comms talent and for them to divulge their wonderful work and experiences so stay tuned we will be back with our new episode very soon thanks for tuning in sure.